everybody, it's Matt Hardman, host of the Race Nerd Podcast, right here on CKCC Radio. When I'm not trying to do my Mick Foley cheap plug, I'm always plugging something else. That's the plethora of programming CKCC provides you each and every week. There is something for everyone, whether it's nerd stuff, music, um... Simpsons episodes. Dude, who doesn't love The Simpsons? Um, motivational um, programming, you know, brought to you by Adrian Cotton. You know, there is something for everyone, and this is the number one show in terms of motorsports news and opinions on CKCC Radio. Then again, I guess I'm the only motorsports news and information and opinion show on CKCC Radio. But I'm still number one. Smackdown announcer. Uh, God, I miss Funaki as the commentator. But that's a whole nother show that you have to get on Patreon. And for five, as little as five dollars a month, I should say, you can get all sorts of bonus content on Patreon, on Club Kayfabe Creative Community's Patreon page. Um, just recently, I did a Ask Me Anything Motorsports edition, um, and we had some really amazing questions on there um, from Chris O'Malley and Randy Moyer, so I'm giving them a shout-out on here, just like I did on there, because... I posted in a whole bunch of forums and groups, uh, you know, opened it up for questions, and those two gentlemen, those two fine, fine gentlemen were the only ones to really submit questions, and they were actually really good ones. Um, (coughs) And uh, it's going to be a joy to actually have Chris on the show. I'm still trying to work out a date and time where him and I can get together, get in the studio, the studio, and um, sit down and record an episode that is special to both of us um, on the 20th anniversary of the passing of Dale Earnhardt and what Dale Earnhardt's meant to um, the sport of NASCAR. And just overall, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, when you think of sports um, athletes that, you know, transcend their sport. Um, The ones that come to mind right off the bat are Michael Jordan. You know, I guess you could say the same for LeBron. Um, Tom Brady. You know. Shit. uh, Be hard-pressed to really think of something. You know, just some that, like, the average person would be like, hey, isn't that blah, blah, blah? Or, hey, that's blah, 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 you know? Tony Hawk, in terms of skateboarding, I, has certainly transcended the sport. Um, but Dale Earnhardt, you know, really transcended the sport. Um, and, it, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what kind of, like, how how important he was to 
um, NASCAR in auto racing and it just how much of a cultural phenomenon he was it, it, it still and still is um, you can still feel um, that when you when you talk or when you say certain things or see certain things you know they're, they're I, I can't really describe it but I will on that episode with Chris and I'm really looking forward to it um, an interesting note it is this year is not only the 20th anniversary of uh, Dale Earnhardt's passing, but that very same year, I actually did meet Chris uh, for the first time. We worked together, and I'm sure we'll probably get off on a little side tangent like that um, in the episode because of how we met and where we both worked together for one summer, and we'll we'll talk about that. But anyway, getting back to this week's episode, we're going to talk the Rolex 24. Um, which had a lot of familiar places. Um, we got um, some news about drivers uh, entered into the Bush Clash. Um, one of them will be making their very first start. And a certain team, which we may have talked about, will be making their very first start as well. Um, talk about all that. We'll talk about um, Kyle Larson. Who, you know, I'm sure that we've already talked about Kyle Larson enough, but there's some good, more good news for him on the horizon, um, and all. But let's first jump into a trivia question, and that is, let me let me phrase this right: the movie Cars. Um, the animated film about Na- uh, loosely based off of NASCAR. Let me rephrase this. Featured how many former Daytona 500 winners voiced in the film? That is, how many former Daytona 500 winners were voiced in the film? Um, because we are coming up on Daytona. And I saw a very, uh, very interesting thing. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if all goes well with the Earnhardt episode, maybe we'll bring Chris back in to talk about those films. Uh, he is a big Disney buff. He actually worked at the happiest place on earth. Although at times it probably didn't seem that happy. (laughs) Um, but we'll we'll talk with Chris about about the Cars films and maybe even throw in the film Turbo, um, which I actually am really partial to. Uh, Turbo as uh, the um, the uh, DreamWorks attempt at a um, animated racing film, and it had it actually had a really great voice cast. Uh, featuring the one and only Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, so you you knew that it was not going to be your normal uh, run-of-the-mill, forgettable um, DreamWorks film. 
But anyway, um, we got a lot to talk about this week, and I don't want to harp on DreamWorks and cars and all that stuff until everything comes to fruition. Uh, but like I said, we got a lot to talk about. We had the Rolex 24, uh, which was won by Wayne Taylor Racing in the overall class, um, but featured such drivers as Jimmy Johnson, who we talked about, who actually finished runner um, finished on the podium. I don't want to say runner up, um, but he was one of the podium drivers um, for the 24 hours. Um, other drivers uh, included Chase Elliott, who um, ran into a little bit of trouble with his car. Um, well, a little before midway in the event, um, and featured the blind cowboy, Austin Dillon. I love that term, blind cowboy, when it comes to Austin Dillon. Uh, for those of you who are, are, are new, you probably wouldn't have guessed that I'm not really much of an Austin Dillon fan. Um, in this, he, he was just kind of an also ran, but, um, Oh, the Wayne Taylor team featured uh, Simon Pagano and and some other faces. You had you had um, drivers like Pagano and Sebastian Bourdais uh, from IndyCar, and I'm probably forgetting some others. Uh, to be honest, I did not watch the 24 hours of uh, Daytona um, as the way my my weekend shaped up uh, last weekend it was I worked um, an overnight so I did not watch the first um, segment of the race um, as I was sleeping got up for work was actually busy then when I got home I wanted to sleep and by and by the time that I woke up from my nap after my nap as I call it loosely, um, I just was not really in the mood to watch any racing, I was just kind of, eh, because at that point it was almost over, and there's no sense, um, I always say that there's no sense unless you know something exciting is going to happen very late in the race, um, no sense turning on a race towards the end, um, because at that point, you've seen how stuff has played out, um, there's very few races where you can skip to the end of it. Um, like the 96 and 99 um, Goodies Headache Powder 500s from Bristol. Um, those were both the Terry Labonte Dale Earnhardt incidents on the last lap. Um, those certainly made for great, great um, television, and they're, and they're kind of great to rewatch. Um, just the just how the different how both races ended, um, 96 with Labonte uh, going to victory lane and his um, cornflake Chevy looked like a little kid tore through it uh, to get the prize out. Um, and 99 with um, Earnhardt uh, going on to victory lane. And almost getting taken out on the cooldown lap by a hard-charging Jimmy Spencer and what would be his uh, best career finish since um, 
his two wins in 1993. Um, so those two, obviously the um, the fall race at Talladega in 2000, uh, just the last handful of laps watching watching Dale Earnhardt come from 17th in the pack to take the win. Just the way he was dicing through the field. Um, that was a race uh, that I can honestly say I was told the rest of the race is boring, but just wait till you get to the last couple laps. And handed a videotape. Remember videotapes? Um, that my friend Ed, who I'm really hoping I could get him to guest on one of these shows. Um, yeah, because we've got some racing stories. And he's my one friend that's actually been to more races than I have. Um, but, uh, that, that fall Talladega race was something to watch. You know, obviously there's been some others, you know, 1990, which still sticks a, a little, uh, craw into, um, into Earnhardt fans. Um, but, there, like I said, there's, there was that, um, bringing this all back around, uh, props to Jimmy Johnson on that Rolex 24, props to the Wayne Taylor team. I, I know they're strong in these IMSA endurance competitions, but, I mean, they, they just, the way they, uh, the way they win these, it's just amazing. Um, I know... I was rooting for one team in there, and I was kind of following, but I did not catch what they had finished, and that's Paul Miller Racing. Um, team races Lamborghinis in one of, I believe it's the GT class or the GTS class, I forget which. Um, the reason why I, I root for them is uh, Paul Miller is a dealership from where I grew up. Not far from um, where his first set of dealerships were from, and my father would uh, go and help out at the GMC dealership one Saturday a month. Uh, would uh, go and help them with their inventory. So I, I always kind of, when I saw that Paul Miller owned not only all these multi-multi uh, dealerships, you know, from he used to own GMC, now he owns pretty much. Audi dealerships, Porsche dealerships, uh, Land Rover, um, I want to say Lamborghini, I mean, he, uh, Bentley, uh, Rolls-Royce, I've been to the Rolls-Royce one once, that is, that was certainly something, that was an eye-opener, anyway, um, moving on, they were the ones that I kind of started to follow, um, but like I said, I don't follow IMSA a whole lot, so, you know, take it out as you may. Um, moving on, uh, we got news that Ryan Priest and the number 37 uh, Chevrolet for JTG Darty Racing uh, will be running the 2021 Cup season without a charter, um, as they had leased a charter from. don't remember the name of the team, and I am in the mobile studio, as you haven't guessed, but um, they leased a charter, and it was a three-year deal. Uh, 2020 was the last year of that deal, um, so they will be running without a charter, and 
Um, they have sponsorship for 24 of the 36 races this year. Um, they are hoping that they will um, find sponsorship for the other 36 uh, as sponsorship in previous years have been with uh, grocery uh, store um, Kroger and their many um, products that go through there. And Brad Doherty on in an interview it said that they had the opportunity to purchase a charter to lock the team into all 36 races um, but they did not want to spend the money on the charter uh, Brad pretty much said that the charter system is broken now the charter system uh, if, if you don't know much about it um, or, or really don't follow the sport a whole lot the charter system is is kind of like franchising um, you can't open up a new baseball uh, team uh, in the MLB without getting a charter and if you know nobody's really attempted it in, in you know the major four sports you know without going to the board and all but the way the charter system works is to quote unquote give a money value to team owners for what their team is worth. Um, it also uh, locks in the guarantees that those cars that have a charter are guaranteed for all the races. Um, because one of the biggest gripes about sponsors leaving in the past had been that these multi-million dollar sponsorship deals for these teams and these teams um, finding themselves um, not making races, which has been, you know, you can't get your product out there if your car can't make the field. Um, since the recession, you know, obviously money in sponsorships has gotten tighter and teams having to go from one sponsor for an entire season to um, having multi-sponsors, you know, spread out across the space of a car. The the only major sponsor that I've seen, um, well, the only two major sponsors that I've seen in the last, you know, dozen years to really stick, you know, for an entire season, all 36 races with a team have been, um, have been, um, uh, Allied Financial and, uh, prior to that Lowe's, both of those with Jimmy Johnson, um, as, teams had searched for, you know, multiple different sponsors. They've been the only ones that really stick, and this is uh, different to the norm of 20 years ago, where you would have um, one sponsor run the entire season. You know, maybe another sponsor would come on for a race or two, um, but, you know, you never really had multiple, multiple sponsors for one team. And right around the mid-2000s when you started seeing a little bit of a change with that. Um, first with uh, Greg Biffle at Roush Racing, he would have multiple sponsors, um, you know, between the National Guard and um, the Senadent brands of Travel Lodge and Jackson Hewitt. Um, and I really do, for those of you who are looking for somebody to do your taxes, I, I'm going to make a cheap plug and I'm going to say to go to Jackson Hewitt. Um, they are who I have to do my taxes because 
while I can figure out how to do a solo person podcast, although I'm probably kind of like some no-name guy broadcasting by myself, um, I I can't figure out how to do taxes and blah, blah, blah. So I go to those guys and they're really good. It's a really good group of people. I've been doing them for a couple of years now. So there's your free plug. Um, as they were the sponsor of Greg Biffle back in the day. But what started off with Biffle ended up being a trend. Now you see multiple different sponsors on the same car. Like, um, take example, last year's 2000, um, 2020 Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott. While he had Napa as his primary major sponsor, he still had uh, other sponsors on his car like Unifirst or um, Hooters um, restaurants and Mountain Dew and whatnot. So, I mean, these were big things, you know. And as I said, a single sponsor going going that way is kind of gone the way of the dodo bird. Um, Jimmy Johnson was the last to have it. And finding sponsors nowadays, especially um, with the with the environment that's out there, it's kind of it's kind of hard to lock down one particular sponsor um, for a entire season. That's where Priest is kind of caught in with this, um, as they have announced that they they will run 24 races with the sponsorship uh, as an open team, which means they have to literally race their way in uh, in terms of qualifying, uh, which will not happen um, for for most of the races this year. So they the races that they that they have to qualify for, they actually have to make, which puts them even more behind eight ball. But um, and then you know, hope that they get enough points. So I, I I really feel that this team really is behind the eight ball, but Brad Darty and driver Ryan Priest, uh, who is from up here in New England, are really do believe that they have some of the best equipment out there and that they have the talented driver to pull this off with Priest. Um and that they really do have a good shot and a good showing to make all 36 races into a track sponsorship, which I'm really hoping for. I'm really pulling for. Um, I do like Brian Priest. He is he is one hell of a talent coming out from uh, the Modifieds, which is NASCAR's open wheel division, and actually their oldest division in um, NASCAR racing. Um, so I really do think that. He, you know, this this guy is the real deal and could pull something like this off. Um, so, I, I, they're going to be one of my teams, and I'm going to say it now, they're going to be one of my teams to really watch for the season. And, and possibly um, in 2022, there's a decision whether yet that JTG Doherty will be running one or two cars next year. And if they cut back to one... Um, it's it's going to be a shootout between um, Ryan Priest and their other driver, which is actually locked into the field, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, so it, it'll 
it'll be interesting, uh, especially with the possibility of Stenhouse. You know, Stenhouse could be moving to another team, or Priest could be moving to another team next year as spots will eventually open up uh, with both of them. So, um, moving on. Um, one team that uh, actually will be able to race all 36 races and that will be making their debut on Tuesday, albeit in a, um, a non-points race, is um, the 2311 race team, uh, which is the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin-owned team. Uh, they will be making their debut in the Bush Clash with Ty Dillon brother of Austin Dillon, um, Ty, who uh, lost his ride when Jermaine Racing folded, um, had searched and searched um, all off-season long, was able to get a part-time deal with Gaunt Brothers Racing in the Cup Series, and a part-time deal with Joe Gibbs Racing, both of those Toyotas, uh, finds himself pretty much um, going through a a uh, dress rehearsal with the 2311 team um, in making his first ever Bush Clash as uh, due to uh, qualifying being cancelled last year um, all qualifying races being cancelled uh, due to the pandemic and the restrictions that have been out there um, they had decided NASCAR being they had decided on that the criteria for the Bush Clash will be a little different this year in that it will be based off um, based off of stage wins. Now the stages which are set, there's three of them per race. Um, each stage winner would be locked in, uh, which is how Ty Dillon got in. And I think this is going to be a really unique showing. This will be Ty's um, first time out in a Toyota. Um, and the Toyotas are usually pretty strong at Daytona. Um, it's going to be with a brand new team, a team that he is not used to, who I'm sure he's working with in conjunction to Joe Gibbs Racing. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really interested in seeing because Ty actually is, unlike his brother, I, I actually do like him. And I, he's, he doesn't have the stats his brother does. He, he has not won in the Cup Series. He's not won the titles his brother has, as Austin has won in both the Trucks and the Xfinity Series. Um... But Ty is a guy who decided that he wanted to not quite distance himself from his grandfather and his grandfather's team, Richard Childress Racing, but wanted to kind of make it in racing on his own accords. And that's how he finds himself at Joe Gibbs Racing and in the Toyota camp. And I think he's a good driver who will get you um, a decent result i guess you can say um but will give you honest feedback to this brand new team uh so i'm i'm looking forward to that uh other news that has come out is that kyle larson who just a few weeks back 
Um, obviously, had no sponsorship at all, um, which was completely astounding. Um, Larson, who I've discussed at nauseum about um, what happened to him last year involving iRacing and his redemption story. Um, he just got officially reinstated by NASCAR on January 1st, which I think was more a, um, a, a PR move than anything, um, as other drivers who, who years, years past have been, um, at, a involved in similar situations, caught saying similar things, have faced less stringent penalties as Larson did. Um, but given the, the climate our country was in when that happened, um, they had to do something. Um, and I, like I said, I don't, I never agreed with, um, the, I, I believe that there should have been a punishment, but not to the extent that he got, um, you know, and especially with, um, his team owner, but I understand that he, at the, his then team owner, Chip Ganassi had his hands tied pretty much by NASCAR and sponsorship to, to the point where they had to release Larson. Anyway, uh, Larson is back. Um, it was announced couple um, couple weeks ago and I believe I talked about it on last week's show that Nations Guard um, a company involved with many um, dealerships um, will be sponsoring him for the first couple of races and now has been announced that Cincinnati manufacturing and Freightliner trucks will be sponsoring him for I believe two races each. Uh, this year, so it ties up not enough of the schedule, but enough to kind of get it jump started. So, where other major companies can um, decide whether they want to invest in this, and I think with Kyle Larson, if I'm a multi million dollar, multi billion dollar company like IE, a Staples, or a Rent-A-Center, or, or something that would fit, that racing would fit into their program. He is a guy who I would look at, despite um, his, his, um, despite his, um, his past, is what I'm saying, um, because this is a, a young man who still has quite a long career ahead of him, has been a proven winner in all sorts of motorsports, um, and, and and a young man who I think has has really learned his lesson, um, you know. And what had happened was an unfortunate mistake of words, um, but this it shouldn't be the death knell to anybody's career. This is why I don't like the cancel culture movement, as pretty much. They, they tried to cancel a young man's career for one word. Um, while there's worse people still out there, um, both in racing and out of racing, 
uh, who have done more damage to themselves and their um, their brand and just the companies that they represent, which only get away with a slap on the wrist. Uh, but that's that's my take. That's nobody else. Uh, I'm sure other people have that take, but that's that's my opinion. Um, and I think that you know. It's just, it's just a shame to see it happen. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, before we wrap up, we got um, we got a trivia question to answer, and that is, in the movie Cars, what three former Daytona 500 winners um, uh, had voice? cameos in the film um obviously we all know that disney will certainly bring out the big stops for cameos in certain films whether it's wreck it ralph um the wreck it ralph series because well i mean you actually had the real voice you really had vin diesel in there you had a lot of the um video game characters voiced by their real voice characters um in there, uh, there was also, you know, you know, um, Wreck-It Ralph, the second Wreck-It Ralph film, oh my god, they had all the original Disney princesses reprising their roles for that one scene, um, but yeah, uh, Cars is no exception, Disney certainly, they did their homework, and they did, um, I, I really applaud them for that, and, um, the three in the first one should be quite noticeable. I mean, you you see a Daytona, uh, a Dodge Daytona with the super wing on it and a big old number forty three on it. it. It should be a no brainer. That's Richard Petty. That that goes without saying. Um, there's one. Second one is a is just as obvious. Um. And that is Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, who um, is one of the cars who goes and chats with um, Lightning McQueen. Uh, so there's two. And the third one is a little more obvious. Um, no more, more to this younger generation as the voice of NASCAR on Fox. Um, but going to me, he will always be the man behind the 17 tide ride. And that is Daryl Waltrip, um, playing as Daryl Cartrip as the voice in the booth, along with Bob Cutlass, um, Bob Costas as, um, animated character in the film. In the final one, which is towards the end of the film as they're setting up for the big race, is none other than the Godfather of IndyCar in the U.S., as I call them, uh, is the one and only Mario Andretti. Um, as the Ford Fairlane that he won the 1969 Daytona 500 with, or 1967, uh, driving for Holman Moody in one of the rare NASCAR races that he had got, and that and that Indy 500 with Mario Andretti is a very unique story. I'm sure I'm going to have to touch on that um, in another episode. But that is really cool. Um, 
and I thought that was a great tip of the cap to people who, you know, even NASCAR fans who may not have realized that Mario Andretti was a former Daytona 500 winner. He is one of only two drivers who have won both the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500. Um, the great uh, A.J. Foyt being the other. And um, so that's that's something really cool and special. Um, one... One real quick tidbit that I forgot to mention, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the Andretti. So that's the trivia question. Remind me of that, and that is how another of those twelve drivers have been announced for the SRX series, and that is Marco Andretti will be competing in the SRX series. Marco, who. Uh, doesn't hold as many accolades as the other drivers in the field, like a um, Tony Stewart or a Bill Elliott or a Bobby Labonte, who I just found out Bobby it will is still racing. Uh, was last racing in Europe in NASCAR's Euro Series, uh, kind of as an American ambassador over there. Uh, will be competing in the Southern Modified Series. Um, I guess it's the offshoot of NASCAR, what used to be NASCAR's Whalen Modified Series in the South. Um, the Modified Series is still around. They're still primarily a New England thing. Um, but they had a Southern Series, and I guess they kind of broken off from that. But Bobby will be doing that in competing full-time there, along with running in the SRX Series. Um, but getting back to Marco, he doesn't have the accolades. Um, although he has a very impressive career in the, in the Indianapolis 500, despite never winning it. Um, I think this is great. It, it's one of the, he's, I believe he actually is the youngest driver in the field, uh, for that SRX series. It's yet to be determined whether he will be running the full six race schedule, uh, to go along with some of the other racing that he wants to do, or whether he will be in that Tony Stewart all-star car, which will be Stewart and a couple of other drivers uh, yet to be named. Uh, so we'll be seeing a lot more of that. Um, and hopefully we will have that Dale Earnhardt special up in the next couple of weeks. Um, continue checking out Patreon if you haven't donated. If you've donated, if you haven't signed up and donated just like $5 a month, Jesus you can't even get out friggin' burger, fries, and a drink at McDonald's uh, for $5. But you get all sorts of great content. Can't get a drink at Starbucks for $5. Ugh. But there's all sorts of great content. I'm doing a little more content. Um, there, There's... The um, the club kayfabe wrestle talk has moved to um, moved over to Patreon, um, and they are going back into the archives of the original club kayfabe wrestle talk. Um, the first episode is up, I believe. The second one may have gone up by now, um, but right there, once they're all up, that's three hundred almost 400 episodes. Then you have bonus episodes of their show. You have um, Jeff Trelowitz with Ranking Tracks, uh, a really good guy, and he does a lot of good musical ones. So check him out. 
and check out um, more bonus content like me. Um, you know, we had the episode on the 90s. We had my uh, question and answer session. Um, we've done some on how I can fix NASCAR, just an outsider's opinions, one fan's opinion on what can fix the series. Whether it's right or wrong, it's still. But uh, there, there's going to be plenty more, and I'm going to tackle some more, um, some more stuff. Um, maybe, maybe touch on, touch on some, some stories that I, that I found fascinating. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ideas is um, talking about Rob Moroso, a driver who. Um, I just started watching while he was really breaking through and his, the controversy around his passing and everything else. And, you know, like a what could have been uh, type thing. But like I said, that there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the works. Um, so definitely donate that $5. Anyway, this is the Race Nerd Podcast of this week. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, and I will talk to you soon, and I will see you at the track.